Hello and welcome to The Sporty Scoop, a podcast made by Queen's students for Queen's students, talking all things sport on campus and in the wider sporting world. My name is Norm McCann and on today's show I chat with boxer Owen O'Neill about his fledgling career and his love of Cliftonville. I'll also be joined by Mark McKillen to talk about the Irish League action this weekend and as always I'll have a roundup of some Northern Irish sport which you may have missed. Okay, so I'm delighted now to be joined with super welterweight boxer Owen O'Neill. Owen, you're very welcome on the show. And I'm just going to kind of start from the beginning. You know, when did you first get into boxing? Um, I probably started my first time ever at other club. Um, I was probably about five or six. And I was with my granda. I went there, Mark Alada. I didn't train or anything, but it was my first time stepping into a club. And I, I just remember the smell and all stuff like that. I can actually still remember it this day. Um, and I just always thought, flip, this is class. But um, after that, I probably got got into boxing when I was about um, maybe 11, 12, um, with my two cousins who, who were boxers. Um, they brought me down to the Dattler's Club, and that's where I first actually started boxing. Um, I used to only go um, maybe twice a week because I played football that time. Um, but they... My, my two cousins were always better than me, um, but now the, the both of them don't box, and I'm the pro. And if if we're, we're to spar, I punch at them, and, <laughs> and they know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, what was it that kind of inspired you to take boxing more seriously? Because obviously you mentioned there you played football when you were younger. Yeah. Well, I I, I actually played for Clumble when I was young. Um, I played for Clumble right up the maybe under 11th. Um, but anyway, flipping, I, I don't really know what made me take boxing more serious. Uh, I, I didn't really start taking boxing. I'm 26 now. Like I didn't really take boxing serious till it was maybe 1920. Um, but I always boxed. Like I boxed my whole life, really. Um, I, I was always in clubs. Um, but I, I don't know why I did, to be honest with you. I think I realised I was a better boxer than footballer. And then this was like, <laughs> Flip it, I'm going to start doing this more, don't I? Um, I can always remember the Doctors Club when I was in doing pods and spawn. Mickey Kelly, Jeremy McGivern, Paddy Fitzsimmons, they always used to say to me, you you could be good here like if you put if you put your mind to it and start uh, training properly because it was always, I still have problems with my weight now. <laughs> I'm flipping 26, but even back then I was still heavy and stuff. Um, but the, it was just always them and saying to me, you know, like putting it in my mind, if you took it serious, you could make some, some to yourself. Um, and then I remember when I was trained in the Dattlers, I went with Tommy Kelly to John Breen's gym um, to do a wee session. And Mick Conlon and Jamie Conlon were there. Um, and they were the... Like, Mick was only an amateur at the time, but Jamie was pro. Um, Eamon McGee took me on the pads and flipping hit me a punch because I didn't, I didn't move my head, busted my lip. But I actually loved it. and was like, flip me, this is brilliant. You know what I mean? Training early in the morning. And your day is done, but I, I was I was only young then, like um, but I just always like I was always a dream of mine to become professional, but I don't really know why I actually knuckled down and just picked boxing over football. I don't really know. I just must mean because it was better at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you mentioned the likes of Michael Conlon, Jimmy Conlon there, were they kind of your yeah. idols growing up? Obviously, you got to see them close up. Were they kind of inspirational figures? Um, I could, yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, they they were the first like big time boxers I probably ever met and trained with at that at that stage. 
Um, because I was only young myself. I was I think it was maybe second year or something in school. Could be younger. Um, but my my hero in boxing was always Ricky Hatton. Um, I I love Ricky Hatton just the way he supported Man City and stuff, and then that's like the way I am with Clinton. Like he was just always he's just I don't know it's just, and then he, he's a good body shot puncher, which I'm a good body shot puncher. Um, but so in boxing terms, Ricky Hatton was always my my favorite boxer to watch, and I always used to go on and watch his weigh-ins. I didn't used to watch his fights; I used to just watch his weigh-ins because they got me pumped up for some reason. But um. Like now, my biggest like I love Canelo now, like like everyone. But um, but Ricky Hatton was definitely the guy that I always wanted to be like. Um, if it was professional, so yeah. Yeah, and can you talk us through your amateur career? It wasn't probably one of the longest ones. It was just eighteen mm-hmm. fights. But how did you find that moving into yeah. not a professional, but you know, proper fights mm-hmm. in the sense? Yeah. Um, for my eighteen, I was probably. My first fight was probably when I was starting year in school, and then my last fight was probably two thousand and eighteen. Um, and that was the eighteen fights over then, that that whole stage. Um, yeah, I, I never won any titles or anything as an amateur. I fought in an Antrim final, an Ulster final. Um, I fought for Antrim many times internationally. Um, which was, I think that actually stood by me, turning pro and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I didn't have the biggest amateur career, like, or didn't win any titles. Um, but it, but I think it's a good it's a good thing for other wee boxers coming up. Like, you, like in Belfast and Ireland, you have that thing, oh, you have to be an elite champion, just turn professional, you have to do this and do that. But you actually don't. Like, it's a different, it actually is a different sport. Like, pro, pro boxing is completely different than amateur boxing. And I, I, I hope to prove that when I, when my first title, I, I want to say, like, I won nothing as an amateur. Yes, it could be in a couple of finals, um, a four international and stuff, um, but I, I didn't win no titles, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, um, when was it you decided to go pro and have you found it so far in comparison to your amateur career? Um, I always box the same way, uh, forward, forward, and taking a couple of shots to give some. Um, so nothing's changed there in the way I fight. Um, but I'm obviously like ten times better. Um, I'm ten times better. I'm ten times better than I was for the last year. But um, probably I, I don't really know. You're just a wee bit more relaxed now, and in, 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 in the program, like you don't have to. Like, there's only three rounds in the amateur. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't find much of a difference, but um, it, it suits me more. Is you know what I mean? Because I, I I like to relax more and. Um, don't don't do that much work. I'm a bit, a bit lazy now again. You know what I mean? And in, in the ring, like, uh, but I, it hasn't really changed much for me, like, no. Mm-hmm. And no. what's been your best fight so far, and maybe your toughest opponent as well? Uh, I would probably say my second fight. Um, it was in the Ulster Hall on the MTK card, and I hate saying it, like, but the guy near flipping, the guy hit me a cracking right hand. At the last, the end of the second round, and they're not mute. It still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Um, and the fights live on YouTube, and also sometimes I go back and watch and go like, "How did I even stay in there?" But uh, it it was a learning curve. Um, I would say that was I didn't enjoy that fight because I could near get out and near get sparked off. Um, but that was probably my hardest fight just because that happened. Um, and it was good. It was good, like. Uh, 
experience to recover from that and go out in the third and fourth and win and win the actual fight. Like, but um, it, it, like that last fight there that could pull out Adamir, that was meant to be my hardest fight, mm-hmm. and then it didn't happen. So I have fought like journeyman as people call them, but I've had hard fights. Um, so I'm expecting every fight from now that's going to be a 50-50 fight and, and really hard for myself. So, yeah, yeah, and you've you've had some fights in different countries and like Luxembourg and Spain, for example. Is it difficult to kind of acclimatise to the different settings or like the temperatures out in those countries? Well, in Luxembourg, there was nothing different about the weather or anything. The food <laughs> was just staying. So it was, I couldn't eat anything. It was absolutely rotten. Um, and then in Spain... The heat was wild. I was fighting like 40 degrees heat. Um, I was, and all day I was walking about in the sun, and I'm ginger, so I had no sun cream on, so it was burnt to a crisp, but I probably had sunstroke, to be and I got in the ring and fought. Because, um, as you know, like COVID and all, you had, we had to go about getting our COVID test and all for going home the next day, and we couldn't find where you got them, so we're walking about everywhere, and you end up getting burnt to a crisp. Um, hardly drinking any water because it was so stressed out. But um, the the only two things there was in Luxembourg the food was stinking, and then in Spain the weather was too hot. <laughs> so it, it, it was good experience both, both, both times. Like, but um, um, oh, the, the the Spain was it was definitely a lot harder. Like, definitely it was just the heat. Like, you know what I mean? yeah. And obviously your last fight, it was quite frustrating with Jordan Latimer pulling out really last minute. How difficult was that the kind of process at the time? Obviously you've been building up for this one. Uh, I, well, I was absolutely buzzing. Um, it was the first t- late TV fight. Um, first time ever fighting on TV um, in the Ulster Hall, so loud. Um, and then I got down to the way and um, I'm not sure if you, you've heard on, on mm-hmm. other interviews I've done, but I had like 20 of my mates there. I probably had the most most people down there to support me. And I still thought I was fighting at this stage. Um, I thought Jermaine Latimer would have turned up sometime, like, but uh, he didn't turn up. And then I found, I found out down at the way and that my fight was off. Um, so it was very gutting. Like, um, from, could have probably said I came close to tears because it was that gutted, but it is what it is, and it's professional boxing. Like I had a good talk with McCullen Mac- and Jamie, and they, they, them boys gave me a lot of advice. Like that, that happened to Jamie at the start of his professional career. He sold out the Ulster Hall himself. Um, and he sold like three hundred tickets for it, and then obviously there was other fights on. But um, that that happened to him. His opponent pulled out, and he had to do an exhibition. So when he told me that, I was like, "Flip, this happens. Like it's not, it's not just out of the blue." Um, and and like professional boxing is very. It's it can be a tough sport, like it really is, and that's probably my first taste of it being like the bad the bad side of it. Do you know what I mean? So hopefully it's the only time I've ever experienced something like that. Um, and I'm I think like it's probably got me more publicity. Um, like it could be a blessing. Like um, obviously at this stage, still I'm still thinking bastard <laughs> oh, didn't turn up. Like, but like the next show they've told me I'm going to be on and I've heard rumours that like, it's even going to be bigger than the Ulster Hall so who knows like, I could be on that um, just hopefully I'll be on the TV and all again um, but I, I was I'm still not really over it like the honestly I've been flipping I've been back tra- I didn't take no time off training I've just been eating like a horse and having a few swallows here and there <laughs> but uh, um, yeah just hopefully get more fight news soon here just to break the break the ice a bit and just just forget about that you know what I mean 
Yeah, you obviously you managed to get another opponent, even though it was just an exhibition. Was a great being back fighting in Belfast and in front of the fans. Yeah, it, it was class. Um, <laughs> I probably sold about twenty tickets or something. It was all ringside tickets. That's the only tickets I had. Ulster, the Ulster Hall had left, and I I sold them all. Um, so it was only all my family and friends <laughs> at like ten past six. <laughs> so it was good crack, but. Listen, at the time, I couldn't really get up for it because I was so gutted. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I'm so glad I did do that because when I first heard that Latimer pulled out, I didn't want to do an exhibition. Like, that was my last resort. I said, no, I'm not doing it. But I, I glad, I'm glad I did do it. Um, that guy, Dominic Donahan, who I fought, um, we, he beat me in the Ulster final before. Um, so there's, like, there's a bit of a, there's, there's a bit of beef between us two. Like, but we're both sound each other. Like, but uh, I'll probably end up fighting him here next, hopefully. If he, he's fighting here next month, so if mm-hmm. he gets the win, me and him could maybe fight for a Celtic title next, and that, that could be bigger than that Latimer fight. So hopefully it's a blessing that he did pull out, and this is this is in the pipeline. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We'll see what happens. But I don't want to say too much. So <laughs> Your um, chance to get revenge, but ah, <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's it, hundred percent. Do you want to tell us a bit more about where your nickname came from, the operator? Like, how, <laughs> how does that one come about? <laughs> um, so. I don't even. I was actually going to call myself the Hitman because of Ricky Hatton because I loved him so much. <laughs> and then, um, Eddie Hamilton, he's a PT. Uh, was working in ASR Fitness when I was working there PTing, and one day he just went, "Well, the operator, what's happening?" And I was like, "The operator, fuck that, such a weenie." And he was just uh, call yourself as before I, I even had a first aid. And uh, like my shorts were nearly made, like as Hitman on them. I'd be like, fuck the operator. And he'd like triple O and all. Uh, I'd be like, fuck me, that sounds powerful. So we <laughs> ended up just going me out. And it was Eddie Hamilton that, that got me out. Like, I'm like, if he didn't walk in and say, well, the operator, what's happening? I'd probably be called Owen the Hitman, Neil, which sounds cute. <laughs> so I'm so glad I got the operator because no one has it. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's unreal. I love it. Like, but, like my mates and all just call me triple O now. It's just mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> But girlfriend calls me triple O dad again too. It's just it's crazy. It's 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 cla- it's a class we name, like you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a really bad fun to be fair. Oh, that's, like who who's called the operator? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> no one. And obviously you've mentioned before you're a massive Cliff and Bell fan. I'm sure people on this podcast are sick of hearing about Cliff and Bell because I'm a massive Cliff and Bell fan <laughs> as well. But how long have you been going to the games? And obviously, you know, you incorporate it in all your way and you're always wearing a Cliff and Bell shirt, like how much does the club mean to you? I'm a I'm a Clumble diehard like uh as you know like but um I've been going to Clumble matches I can't even remember my first Clumble match I, I I remember my daddy taking me but I was maybe five or younger and like the strange the strange thing was that my mummy and daddy were both young when they had me and then they split up so my my daddy used to bring me out every Saturday that's when I seen him and all. And after the first Clumbo match, I was always like, right, I want to go to watch Clumbo. And that was it. And I can always remember, like, Clumbo were crap back then. And I, like, my daddy isn't as much of a Clumbo fan as I am, like, but he used to just bring me to keep me happy. And it, it means he could have a swell in the social while I was out <laughs> watching the match, you know what I mean? That's that's all he cared about. But um, I can remember one time, my daddy always tells me a story that Clumbo were playing one day and it was light and rain, freezing. And... He hardly, he had, I think he had just a t shirt on because he was in the social. And I was out, I was out watching the match, and it was 4 0. Clumbo were getting beat 4 0 in the first 30 minutes or something. And my daddy goes, Me, come on, son, 
we'll just head here at half time. We'll go and get somebody to eat. And I was like, no, Danny, sure, Campbell might come back and win. And then I think they end up getting tanked like eight or something. And he, he says, ever since then, he just knew I was going to be a Mad Campbell fan. So I've been going to matches since then. And then as soon as I got older, I used to start me and Hazer, you know, Connor Hayes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a bit younger than me, but me and him has been going since we've been sat in here in school together. Um, we've both been going to Europe trips and all tonight too. So hopefully we get one this year and we'll go to it. Um, but I, I, I love Tumble and hopefully people say to me, would you, where would you rather fight Windsor or Solitude? And it's going to be Solitude, even if I don't curve, I get, let's hear someone goes me out, you'll get 500 grand if you're fighting for Windsor, but you only get 100 if you're fighting Solitude. I'd rather fight in Solitude, no problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Simple as that, definitely. <laughs> That'd be but, a historic uh, fight out of solitude now. I think I'll everybody will pack it, it out, yeah. Uh, <laughs> be on there. So hopefully, maybe one day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully. How nice is it to see as well, the club, you know, I see before some of your fights posted on social media, wishing you well, like how amazing is that to see the club you support being so supportive? It gives me butterflies, like, um, and even like that last fight there, I was so gutted, I was so gutted and like, and I seem to put that up saying, be like got it thrown on eel his fight's pulled but he gets an act good luck in your exhibition like he didn't have to do that do you know what I mean because it wasn't a proper fight like mm-hmm. the end of the day exhibitions are they're not fights you know what I mean they're basically spars um, and fair play to him for doing that like uh, it's unreal it gives me goosebumps every time I see something like that do you know what I mean because it's still very surreal for myself that I'm actually I'm 7-0 and I'm called triple O and all this here shit you know what I mean it's still it's still so so mad, like, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. The future's bright, like. So yeah. What, happens. what have you made to the start of the season? You know, it's been a long time since Cliff and Bob won a league. Like, even <laughs> the trophy, obviously, we had the kind of interim shield. But are you getting uh, excited or is it a bit premature? Yeah. I think, no, definitely not premature. We're unreal. I know Saturday, you know what I mean? But flipping two semi-finals with Happy League. Um, the Irish Cup hasn't even started yet. Um, and it's, it's a good thing for me because... Rory Hale's obviously one of my good mates. Um, I, I actually, when I play, I play for Clinville on their names, they go on their 11s, and I played in the same team as Rory Hale and Jay Donnelly. So, them was a few of my good mates, but Jay, Jay's now the other side, so I can't <laughs> say much about him, you know what I mean? But me and Rory, me and Rory's really good mates. Um, so, it's good that Rory's playing for, you know what I mean, playing for the Reds. Uh, it's it's good crack as he tells you what way the team's feeling and all and stuff like that. So it's some buzz like um every Saturday we we'll go for breakfast before the match, me, Roy, and a few of the boys. It's just class and I really think we're we're definitely gonna win something this year. Like I don't know what it's gonna be. So hopefully it's everything. You know what I mean? Because we're in a we're in a good chance like. So uh just just see what happens. I don't wanna get the hopes up too too much like, but we're doing well, like, you know what I mean? I, and we're still we're doing well with like six players out, something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, see what happens. All right. <laughs> and was it you? Was it you that brought Rory Hale back to Cliftonville then? Is that what you're saying? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Sure, all the boys used to slag me saying that because uh, Rory played for Cruz. I think I brought him down one day, get my lift down to flip and see Stephen Baxter or something. And Rory took a video of me saying, "Oh, one of these turned turned <laughs> to the top train and all this year and flipping all my mates used to slag me about it, but." I wasn't I wasn't an embraced flip bad no chance. You know what I mean? I'm a solid yeah. resume, that's it. <laughs> and um, just to finish, like what does the future hold for you personally? You know, what is it you'd like to achieve in your career? 
Um, I, I, I definitely want to be a champion, some and and like win a couple of titles. And if you maybe asked this this last year, I probably wouldn't have been too confident myself. But I'm working really hard and I'm putting the work in. Um, and it, like I said, every fight from now for me is 50-50 fights, and they're they're big fights. And who knows, man. My next fight could be for a Celtic title. I'm just hoping, hoping it is. And if I get the win there, then the next step is an Aries title. And then you get the win there, then you're talking European and so on. So, like, I, I said, when I turned pro, I said I want to be a world champion. But now I, I truly believe in myself that, that I definitely can win some serious titles and bring and bring success home to my family and my family and friends and my girlfriend and stuff. So, um. Simple as that, so the future's bright, definitely. Yeah, it's great for you, and for Kevin Moss. So it's all going well at the Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, John. I appreciate it, big time. Okay, so I'm now joined with former Sporty Scoop host Mark McKellen. Mark, it's great to have you back on the show. And we're going to start by talking about the Irish League and we'll t- start with the Lauren game, a team who you follow closely. They slipped the defeat against Codrain on Friday night. What did you make of the game? Oh, yeah, it was an interesting game to watch. Codrain were, they obviously have an amazing home record and they kept that going. I was expecting more of Lauren, I bet I thought they were maybe, maybe going to be a game where they go up and put their best performance in. but. We got Ben Doherty got a goal, but I feel like on the performance wise, it wasn't really up to their standard. And yeah. Corian just looked, they just looked more, even though this is always this debate about part time and full time, but you wouldn't have known any difference. Owen Kearney always does an amazing job with whatever squad he has. Yeah, do you think they can sustain a proper title challenge this season? You know, maybe last year they fell away a bit, but you know, in previous years they've been right up there, even you know, as you said, added difficulty this year of full time teams, but as you mentioned, they're amazing home record and they're attracting like nearly three thousand fans at home every week and they've just been formidable since, you know, their early season wobble. Do you think they can push for the title or is it beyond the realms of possibility? I think they'll definitely be there thereabouts. And I remember at before the season started, it felt like everyone was kind of writing Corian off a bit. They saw, heard some people say, oh, they won't even make top six. So I think they definitely, <laughs> they definitely will. Like, even like Connor McHenry, he went from Lauren. He always was a player with promise, but he's kind of really, mm-hmm. now he's got a lot of more game time. He's really coming on. He's really this great runner from midfield. And they had um, Patrick Kelly played up front. I think he was only 16, but he was really impressive. <laughs> he was like taking it by Sule and Heron and everything. Yeah. And, Talking about Lauren, you know, how do they bounce back? There just seems to be something going wrong at Inver Park at the moment. You know, they can't really compete with the teams around them. Is it the squad, the tactics? And I just don't really know what to make of Lauren because when I see them, they play nice football, but it kind of seems to get to the final third and it all breaks down. Yeah, it's kind of, it was always made a bit of a change. It seems that Marty Donnelly's gone and due changes in Navid Nazira. He's had some good performances, but it's maybe some. Not saying these are like flair players, but sometimes they're players that where you wonder maybe does the squad have enough of a spine to it to really like Corian have got Glack and Stephen Lowry's there's more like legs in the team, whereas mm-hmm. Lauren it feels a bit sometimes when they get to the final third that they don't have I don't, I don't know if it's not enough pace or just not enough creativity sometimes. Yeah, it's a weird conundrum because you know yeah. you look at you look at their squad and their manager yeah, paper, and the stadium yeah. they have, yeah, on paper they should be <laughs> right up there. Um yeah. 
But yeah, we'll move on to the Saturday games and the one you attended on Saturday, Balamina Carrick. You know, that was another great win for Carrick. Obviously, they've been on a difficult run of late. You know, how impressed were you with Stuart King's head? Yeah, it was good. It was, it's why you nearly call it, I don't know, a, pr- a proper Irish league match. Well, and t- I, don't, I, don't, I think it took 20 minutes for the first shot. <laughs> but then, but then once it started getting in, it started getting into it. The rain was coming down and it was a real like, tight toss, a lot of yellow cards. And Ross Redman got a red, he got a red card, which was a major, major point of the game. David Jeffrey, he's adamant that it wasn't a red card. He said it was a brilliant tackle then. It was Jordan Gibson. He went through. There was debates about offside and up for on off for it, but he broke through. Had a good finish, but it was a good game. Carrick, they, they, David Cushley, he was injured and went off at half time, but they do play some decent football. Ben Tilly, they, they, you can tell he's got like a philosophy. He's playing the game mm-hmm. the right way. He's good dribbling and everything. So I think I think they've already equaled their wins for last season. So I think yeah, another few wins before Christmas, even and say even in that seventh spot, then it's promising. I think. Yeah, you know, they're definitely further away from the likes of Portadown and Dungannon and they faced yeah. each other on Saturday and that was a huge win for Dungannon because obviously, you know, their problem last year was scoring goals and now they've really started scoring goals but they've been leaking quite a few but this was a really yeah. crucial win for Dean Smith's at Dean Smith. Oh, <laughs> Dean Shields. Oh, Dean oh, Shields. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But um, yeah, because again, they've got like... It was Dungannon. They always people saying they play nice football. Maybe they don't. They're quite a young squad always. Mm-hmm. They've got like Oshin Smith. He's in Northern Ireland squad, under twenty one squads. But they've got people like uh, Joe McCready and Ryan Mears. These are probably people who are quite proven at scoring goals at this level. So I feel if they have enough, they might have enough firepower to stay up. I think they got lucky a bit last season because there was no way like, they would have been down. Yeah. But I think that they could have enough to stay up, and maybe you never know. Get the odd result from draw against a higher club yeah and how disappointing have Porto Down been so far this season you know they've really struggled they only have the one win in 14 games and Dungannon have two games in hand over them and they're already two points ahead you know it could be ominous signs for Porto Down even this early in the season if Dungannon win those games in hand maybe last season Porto Down where they said they they, they did have some decent performances Lee Bonus had a lot of form he was maybe one of the top scorers they beat they did did beat Larn I think at Mm -hmm. at one point but it just feels, and Matthew Tipton got like a six-year deal. But I know it feels a bit at them. Adam, I'm not sure what's going on there because some is like the squad. They've got a mix of like old and young players. It just feels a bit disorganized, and I'm not really sure. I feel it could come down to them and Warren Point maybe for that final spot. Yeah, and I think maybe you know last year put it down maybe overachieved a wee bit and getting close yeah. to kind of pushing the Lexi Glenavon and Balamina, and expectations may need to be tempered a wee bit this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah um, but, 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 but more important, I think we know that they've had a real, I think a real torrid time with three points out of possible 36. Yeah, I was going to come on to talk about them next, you know, even when they played Cliftonville the week before and they got themselves back in the game at 2 each when you were thinking, you know, how did they get these two goals? But then to go on and concede another two in the manner that they did would be was hugely disappointing to Barry Gray and, you know, tough. It's just ominous signs for them as well. We talked about Porto Down, but one point, you know, just one win so far, mm. and confidence is low, and the games just seem to be stacking up. You know, in the Irish League, you kind of look at most games and think any team can beat anybody, but when you see more point now, you're thinking yeah. you don't know where their next win's going to come from. Yeah, because I feel I, I expected them maybe to be near the bottom, but I didn't expect it to be to this degree. Because last season they actually had it; they beat Linfield, they mm-hmm. drew with Larne. 
and they actually on paper have like they have I think in a way like maybe even pour it down in Ghana. I think you could argue on paper that Warren Point almost have a stronger looking squad. They've got like guys like Connor Mitchell mm-hmm. and like, Alan O'Sullivan. They had look Wade Slater from Lauren, but some of them players have got like Ireland under twenty one caps and everything, a lot of their team, but I know something's just not right there and it's the longer it goes on, the harder it is to see that first win or well they have one win and the next one coming. Yeah, and we'll move on to talk about Glenavon as well. That was a much needed win for them. Obviously they've there's just such an inconsistent side. I think we saw that last season and they're yeah. up to eighth now. Do you know, do you think they can really push on and maybe sneak into that top six or do you think a bottom half finish is likely again? I know a lot of people tip them to yeah. kind of be, you know, as you said, Coleraine were outsiders for the top six, but it seemed everybody was tipping Glen Avon to have a storm over season given their signings. Yeah, I think they're always so hard to call, aren't they? You know, like they could have maybe had a result against Cliftonville and then they'll yes. go and get hammered or something and then they'll beat <laughs> then they'll like end up beating Linfield or something like they have yeah. to agree with Linfield and Coleraine so far this season. But then they've they were they've conceded like a good they what they scored or the goal scoring goals have been a bit of an issue at times. They I think uh, almost over half of their goals have only come in two games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like but the hat trick or three 0 went over Warren Point, so I don't think that they're going to be a candidate for the drop, but maybe top six, maybe seventh if he's kind of becoming like I don't know their their spot. Maybe yeah. before Lauren maybe come in, they could have thought of the top six more. But I know they'll probably be all. I say that they'll get enough results, and they've signed the players from Linfield. They're probably maybe slightly past. They're probably they will do a job. But they're probably their best days are probably behind them, the likes of Andy Waterworth and all and uh, Mark Howey. Mm-hmm. And talking about the top six, it's kind of a bit misconstrued at the moment just because, you know, Crusaders still have two games in hand, but they lost to Glenthorne on Saturday by one goal margin. And that was Glenthorne, I think I read their first victory at Seaview since uh, 2011, which is uh, a mad, yeah, a mad stat. Bit, yeah. But yeah, and yeah, it was a nice free kick from Plum. But, you know, Crusaders, they were on a re- good run recently. And if they win those two games in hand, you know, they're right up there again. And I think. They were certainly one of the sides I'd kind of written off at the start of the season. I didn't really think they had the squad to challenge, but Stephen Baxter just seems to be getting them back into the way of, you know, Crusaders when they were winning league titles. They're a nasty side to play against, but they're effective. Yeah, Yeah. they played against Lauren. It was a real battle. Lauren won 1 0. I think Crusaders had the chances maybe to win it themselves. And they were, it did feel like the real Crusaders, if you know what I mean. They were like, they were rough for getting into tackles and everything. Mm -hmm. But they lost to the Torn, but I still feel like. It's that sort of thing where they need to put together a good, if they can put together, say, I don't know, three wins on the trot just to get that settled down because they've got in some changes. They've lost, like Jamie McGonagall, he's now mm-hmm. Derry City. But they brought in like Josh Robinson and Johnny McMurray from Lauren. Ben Kennedy's, he's he's established himself more. He's like a new signer nearly compared to mm-hmm. last season already with goals. So I think people were writing them off for the top six, but I think. If they keep a form going, they could challenge for that top six or five. Yeah, and how crucial was that win for Glen Torn? Obviously, you know, any time there seems to be an, a negative result, there seems to be uproar and it's just a toxic sort of atmosphere hanging around the club. But how crucial was that win? And as well to see, you know, Aaron McCurry back in nets and Glen Torn obviously posted after the game and so did he about, you know, that incident's been put behind him. Obviously, the with Bobby Burns, high crucial is after Glen Torn now to kind of show that camaraderie to try and push on because they're fourth at the minute. You know, the top half of the table is so tight, but they could really, you know, 
push on level and points for Lauren and not that far behind Cliftonville and they always seem to struggle for a bit but then produce this uh, crazy run that <laughs> brings them back into contention do you see that happening again yeah it was a bit like last season this season where you look at the quality of the new signs this great squad and all where the results mm-hmm. but then that was a big win I think even the McCary situation just to try and get that put that behind them and even not to hide away from it maybe it's a good thing you can just there's mm-hmm. they're the ones mentioning it sort of thing because me dark, you feel there's always like a I don't know a PR disaster around the corner for it, and those two teammates is always that's one of the worst ones you can have. But if they can turn that corner and start, because everything like, sometimes they get a week where they're playing a team, they can start getting their they beat Balamina four 0 They always have mm-hmm. one of those in them every so often. But if they can get the wins against the top six, is maybe the the issue to turn those draws into wins against the likes of Lord and Corian could be the issue. Yeah, and finally, you know, the other big game this weekend was Linfield against Cliftonville, and it was a huge win for Linfield. They're sitting fifth at the minute, but they have a game in hand, obviously, still to play. But, you know, Cliftonville were right and high, and it obviously come into the game with confidence. And it was an even enough game, you know. I'm obviously a Cliftonville fan, and I don't mean, don't mean to be biased, but, you know, I thought a draw would have been a fair result. But it was kind of, you know, typical Linfield champions performance. You know, they may not play their best, but they get one chance and they bury it and they defend so resolutely. You know, Jimmy Callagher and Sam Roscoe at the back were really, really solid. And I think Trey Hume was outstanding again. I think he's definitely the next player that will go over to England. But... You know, is that Linfield? I feel like I say this to every guest that comes on the podcast. They just keep ticking along and yeah. they stay in and about. Obviously, they've dropped a few points recently, but do you think, you know, that was the statement victory that David Healy needed? Yeah, it was kind of one, like, it's one where if Cliftonville had a got it, you would have thought that was, like, a real title push. But Linfield, those are the sort of results that Linfield get. I feel even last year I was thinking, oh, this isn't the strongest. You know, if you'd mm-hmm. ever you're always saying, oh, this isn't the strongest Linfield team or something, then they always go... And winning because they've had like knocked out of the cup and some of those results, but they've got um, Chris Shields in there and Manzingas found a bit of form they didn't have last season. I think on the whole with Lavering on, you could, the squad maybe isn't as strong as it was last season, but if they can make some, there's rumours around after Robbie McDade in January to see whether or not that happens. Mm-hmm. But I think if they can get maybe some additions and just against the bottom six, if they can not have any slip ups and be able to get their points, then they'll it's Linf- they're probably going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, and what have you made of Cliftonville's start to the season so far? You know, obviously that was a disappointing loss, but to be top of the league, I don't think anybody Cliftonville fan in their wildest imagination could imagine it at this stage of the season. But, you know, there's some tough games. Linfield's the start of three consecutive away games. You know, Linfield, then it's Coleraine and Lauren in quick succession. You know, how crucial are those games going to be to decide, you know, will Cliftonville be title challengers or just even, you know, van for those European places? Yeah. Yeah, but it's been a good start to the season. Like, I think I feel like before the season started, I wasn't really sure what to make of Cliftonville or where they were going. Or they had signings like from Gotor, and it's not that they're bad signings. Just wasn't sure, you know, how they would work. But the likes of Jimmy McDonough, he's definitely stuck up a partnership with Joe Gormley. Mm-hmm. I suppose with Cliftonville, it's always Joe Gormley. Like he's like the goals that were missing from last season have been added, which is a yeah. huge factor. And even Ryan Curran, he's still carrying on the form as well. So. I think definitely that they're not. I I don't think there's going to be a flash in the pan. I think even though that Linfield result that there is enough quality there, and it does like the win against Lauren, it feels like this is a team that can compete. You know, Irish Cup. I'm not sure if that's going to be another oh. year for that. <laughs> we'll see that down the road. But I know I definitely feel that there is a good squad there under Paddy McLaughlin. 
Yeah, and obviously the sporty scoop derby will be reignited in a few <laughs> weeks. Are you excited yeah. for that one? <laughs> yeah, I think it always goes in a little tough and fills way. I don't know, but it's it'll be an interesting one. I must. I think it'll be another test for Lauren coming back off the Korean one against the top six, where they need to at home. Inver Park needs to be trying to be a bit of a fortress. Obviously, Solitude, like Lauren. Well, I think they have. I'm not sure they, they tend not to do that well when they go there, but. If I think if Clackenville win there, it'll be another good, another good statement. Whereas Lauren, if well, depending on how poor it down goes, I don't. If you lose there, maybe you need to start asking a few questions. Mm-hmm. Mark, it's been great to have you back on the show. Thanks so much, and I'm sure you'll be on again. Even if Clackenville win the Sporty Scoop Derby, I will make sure you're <laughs> back so I can brag about it. <laughs> All right, cheers, thanks. Here's a roundup of some local sport which you may have missed at the weekend. We start with rugby and Ireland made it a hat-trick of victories in the Autumn Nation series with a commanding 53-7 victory over Argentina at the Aviva Stadium. Mateo Carreras gave the visitors a shock lead with an early try before Ireland responded with scores from Josh van der Flaer, Andrew Porter and Caelan Doris. Pablo Matera was sin before Thomas Lavarini received his marching orders as Van der Flaer and Dan Sheehan extended Ireland's lead, with Cian Healy and Tag Burney completing the right to secure Andy Farrell's side's eighth victory in a row. To ice hockey, and the Belfast Shands extended their winning run to four games, with two wins against Manchester Storm at the weekend, as they moved into the top half of the elite league table for the first time this season. They won the first game 7-2 at the SSE Arena, courtesy of strikes from Darcy Murphy and David Goodwin, who each scored twice, as well as Ben Lake, Kieran Long and JJ Pacin. They followed that up with a 6-2 victory in Manchester on Sunday. Lewis Hook scored twice, with Mark Cooper, Scott Conway, Cam Knight and David Goodwin also getting on the score sheet. To boxing, and Ireland's Jason Quigley suffered a second-round knockout by Demetrius Andrade in his WBO World Middleweight title bid. The Donegal boxer was knocked down three times in his first fight for a world title by the current belt-holding American, who successfully defended his title with ease. Finally, we moved to World Superbikes, and Jonathan Ray's reign as World Superbike champion has come to an end, despite him winning the season's final two races over the weekend. Turkish rider Toprak Razakatoglu pipped him to the title by 13 points to claim his first Superbike crown and end Ray's six-year dominance in the sport. That's all we have time for in today's show. Thanks for listening and thanks to Mark McKibben for putting it together. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.